0: Hello and welcome to our latest issue of Pipettes and Politics COVID nineteen edition. My name is Ben Corb. I am the Public Affairs Director for the American Society for Biochemistry and Molecular Biology. If you are interested, you can find me at Twitter uh, at bwcorb. I'm joined today, and I'm trying to bring a little bit of a different perspective. Today, we're talking to a legislator. We're going to be talking with J.P. Stradzinski. J.P. is a third-term member of the Connecticut House of Representatives from Connecticut's 112th Congressional District. Full disclosure, J.P. is also a very long personal friend of mine and is doing me a favor by giving giving me this call. J.P., say hello to our listeners.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Ben. Appreciate it.
0: Um, first of all, are you on Twitter? And if so, do you mind giving out your Twitter handle?
1: Sure. Um, I will be honest. I'm not super active. I do, uh, look at my feed, especially recently with all the news breaking, uh, moment to moment, but my Twitter handle is at J P Shredzinski. That's at J P S R E D Z I N S K I.
0: Thank you for sharing that. First of all, most important question. How are you doing? How are you feeling? How are you managing through this kind of new normal that we're all dealing with?
1: much better now. Um I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit later, but I have uh just left self quarantine after 16 days and I'm back to work today uh for my first day back at work. Uh for those of you wondering, I am an essential employee. When I'm not a legislator, I am a 911 dispatch supervisor for a town in Connecticut. So, uh as an essential worker, um I am back to work today.
0: Well, we're glad that you're healthy and we're glad that you're back to work. Um First question I have for you is, being a lawmaker and being a policymaker in a time of a crisis like this, what sort of work, uh, how have you found your job to be different? How have you found the constituent concerns to be different? Um, you know, are, are there more, are you noticing maybe less partisanship, uh, more open communications with the opposing party, with the other chamber, with the governor? Have you seen a, a change in the way that business is done, at least in this moment?
1: Absolutely. Um, I will say I have been following some of the federal stuff that's come out of Washington, D.C., and it is completely the opposite here in Connecticut. Um, And I'm not just looking at that through rose-colored glasses. I mean, legitimately, we have really been working together um, from the executive branch to the judicial branch, the legislative branch, Republicans, Democrats, staff, legislators alike. We've all been really working together. We recognize the crisis that we face as not only a state, but as a, as a globe, really, as an entire world. Um, and our governor, Governor Lamont, has been very, very active in day-to-day um, putting out information, being out there, being on top of things. And although we may not always agree on everything policy-wise, I will say that the governor has done an excellent job communicating For the most part, there's been a few issues, um, especially when it comes to uh, school times and and whether or not school is going to be canceled for the rest of the year. But that's, you know, it's, uh, it's minor considering you have a lot of issues out there that have to be dealt with. Now, I will say, just to kind of give it some context, our General Assembly session this year, which is what they call the short session, it goes from February to May. We gaveled in. We, you know, started the committee process, and in the middle of March, March 13th, we um, had a session on, you know, appointments, judges. There was a few minor issues, uh, but we we gabbled out with the expectation we were going to come back the next week after a deep cleaning of the Capitol complex, and we have not been back since. Uh, the legislative leadership. Um, what I mean by that, the Speaker of the House, the majority leader, the minority leader of both chambers, and the President of the Senate have met and decided to keep all legislative business on hold until April 13th at the soonest. However, there was just an article yesterday where the Speaker basically, basically admitted to the fact that we probably won't go back um, before – you know, the end of session. So in the constitution of the state of Connecticut, it says that in the short session that um, the general assembly will be done with business. We call it CNADA, uh the first Wednesday in May, which means that if any business is not completed by the first Wednesday in May, the business dies. Now there are always opportunities or reasons to go into special session. Um, but for, for what it seems like, it looks like the legislature is, is basically done for the year. Um, which is, from what I can tell, pretty unprecedented. That being said, all of the policy that's being done, all of the policy that's being passed and all of the policy that is being issued is all being done by executive order, which means the governor has unilateral control over uh, what happens, what he can do with the state statutes. And he has been doing that, but he has not been doing that in a vacuum. He has been doing that with communications to the legislature, and he's been very, very... Meaningful about that. Um, that day I mentioned, the day before we left um, session, we actually had the governor's chief of staff and the governor's chief legal counsel into a House Republican caucus just to meet with us and say, listen, we're not trying to um, make this a, a dictatorship. We're not trying to make this an absolute monarchy. We're trying to work with you. And that was really well received because. We recognize that our process is very complex and requires a lot of in-person interaction. And since there's no way for us to vote remotely, we need to rely on the executive branch to lead um, during this type of crisis. And so the governor has that power, um, but he has not been doing it unilaterally. He's been doing it in concert and in communication with the four other caucuses, House Democrats, House Republicans, Senate Democrats, and Senate Republicans. And it's been going really well. And uh, further, there have been a few concepts that uh, members have brought forward, and we funnel those through our respective chief of staff, and those get to the governor's staff. And I've actually seen things that have come uh, from my constituents that have become part of executive order. So I know it's kind of a long-winded answer, but it's a, it was a very, uh, very loaded question. I also can talk more about the constituent um, responses as well if you'd like.
0: Yeah, no I, we'll we'll certainly get there I just I want to underscore for people that are listening um, you are a Republican and the governor is a Democrat. Um, the Democrats have uh, a, a small majority in both the House and the Senate in Connecticut. is that correct?
1: That is correct yes and,
0: and so um, it is a it is at times um, a, a bitter divide that exists and it is unique um, to hear. That there is so much cooperation, and that particularly, you know, for the minority party to have so much faith in, um, in a governor of a different party, um, to be doing what they're doing, and for the governor to be communicating and, and working to, I, I would assume, working to ensure that the the, you know, your desires and the minority are met, so that the, it is a it is a bipartisan partnership that's going on there, and that's, um, a change in tone. From how things have been in in recent history is that an accurate portrayal
1: yeah i mean normally you know they're the media covers all of the divisive issues right so the, the taxation issues the budget issues some of the more hot button topics whether it's vaccines or gun control or anything like that but for the most part i mean i've been there six this is my sixth year and i really can't count this one because we haven't had many uh sessions but I would say I average around 80% voting with the majority party. So for the most part, we get along. We we differ on major issues such as, you know, spending, budgets, taxation, uh, other hot-button topics. But for the most part, you know, we work really well together. In fact, I have a very, very good relationship with the, the chairman of the committee, which I serve as ranking member, and we get along really, really well. And um, I think that's lost on a lot of people because they see – the, the bitterness and the vitriol that comes out of Washington, D.C., and they think that's how politics is. And I can only speak to my experience. My experience is that, you know, especially being in the minority, there's really no need for the majority to um, bring us along other than the fact of just cooperative, cooperation and making the process go smoother. There are things the minority party can do to make the majority party, uh, their lives more difficult when it comes to the legislative process. And sometimes that line gets drawn in the sand. I'm not going to lie. We always have those, those areas of, of no, uh, no compromise. But there are many, many issues where there are issues of compromise and issues of working together across the aisle to at least get work done. Um, and on this case itself, you know, the coronavirus outbreak in Connecticut, at least, you know, it's been going uh, very smoothly from what I can tell.
0: How does it? So you're an elected representative, and so the nature of your job is to be social, to be out in the community, to be discussing issues with the community. How has now Connecticut doesn't have um, a shelter in place order, but I believe it's pretty strongly encouraged there in the region where you are to you know limit your travel and limit your exposure. How has it changed the way you do your job and the way that you reach out and connect with constituents?
1: Sure. It's a very good question. I mean, you know, obviously we're not in session and during this part of the year, I would be in Hartford two or three days a week because we are a part-time legislator, legislature and um, I serve on three committees and they are by and large Tuesday, Thursday committees. So basically every Tuesday, every Thursday, I'm in Hartford all day doing the business of my legislative job. And then usually on Wednesdays um, we're up for session or some other reason so, you know, um, Mondays and Fridays, I've reserved for my full-time job as well as on the weekend. But these, you know, uh, you know, and, and that's in addition to the things that would be happening throughout town, right? There there are Eagle Scouts events. There are uh, ribbon cuttings. There are um, uh, events at churches. There are events at community centers. There are events at the library. Um, and those are all things that, as an elected state representative, you go to to kind of be out with the people, get their feedback, um and all that stuff is canceled it's all canceled or postponed and so what i've been doing is i'm not going to use the word transition or switch to because obviously um i think any legislator or anybody that's involved in any sort of community nonprofit business you know they rely on email social media that kind of thing and i've just been using more of that so as you can imagine i've been getting a lot of emails a lot of phone calls A lot of communications through uh, my Facebook, um, just reaching out to me, asking me questions. There's a lot of people that are struggling that are out of work or have been laid off or their businesses have been told to close. And and yes, you're right. There's no mandatory uh, order. However, the governor had released weeks ago an initiative called Stay Home, Stay Safe, um, which is basically saying if you don't have to be out, don't go out. Um, There are businesses that are considered essential that are allowed to stay open, you know, gas stations, grocery stores, home improvement places, and uh, restaurants in the state of Connecticut right now are being allowed for takeout only, but a lot of restaurants have just closed altogether. Um, You know, you can't congregate at a bar. You can't do that. Um, There are a lot of limitations on what can be done. In fact, uh, there's a recent executive order by the governor this week forget if it was yesterday or the day before, that limits the amount of people in grocery stores even. <clears throat> so when I went to Trader Joe's earlier this week, I had to wait in line outside before I was allowed in to go shopping because they are closely monitoring the amount of people and you know basically keeping the social distancing uh, something that's happening at grocery stores as well. So, I mean, life has changed for all of us at so many different levels. Um, but uh, from the legislative point of view, I just make sure that I'm out there um, in what I used to do a, a biweekly update or a weekly update email to my constituents. I do one basically daily to keep them up to speed on stuff. I try to make it um, tailored to my district. I try to include helpful links in areas where I think people would want to know. So such as the, uh, the SBA loans, um, some of the recent stimulus stuff that's passed the federal government. We had a, uh, there's a division of the state of Connecticut government called uh, the Department of Economic and Community Development, DECD. They had a small business grant um, and a small business loan available uh, for small businesses that have been affected by this, and I wanted to get at, that out to my district because we have a lot of small businesses in my district. And then just answering emails, answering text messages, answering uh, messages from people, making sure that I'm just as responsive, if not more responsive, than I have been in the past. Because... People are relying on me to get them the information they need.
0: When you were in line at Stop and Shop, how many times did you tell people, do you know who I am?
1: When I was in line at Trader Joe's, not to be fruity about it, but Stop and Shop doesn't have lines. Uh, Trader Joe's does because it's a smaller store. Um, I've been to Stop and Shop several times. Um, I I did not use that line because that is not who I am. I I will wait in line to get my avocados. Um, and seaweed snacks. Um, uh, I have no problem doing that. Okay. I am just a regular part of the society.
0: Good to hear. Um, speaking of being a regular part of society, you mentioned, uh, 16 days ago, you were feeling ill. Um, you went to a doctor cause you were feeling particularly ill. You ended up finding yourself COVID-19 tested. What was that experience like for you?
1: Oh, uh, how long is this podcast? Okay. So, um,
0: Go with like what happened three was is last
1: month, last Monday, the 16th, I started coming down with what appeared to be like a cold or a sinus infection or something like that, something seasonal. Right. But given the environment we find ourselves in, I said, you know what? It's better to be safe than sorry. I have sick time. I have people that can cover me at work. So I went home on Monday. Um, Tuesday, I called the doctor out of an abundance precaution, as they say, gave the doctor my symptoms. Now, I never had a fever throughout this entire thing. Um, But I did find out that there were studies that there were people that um, did come down and contract the coronavirus in China and never experienced a fever. So I went home, you know, quarantined myself, figured, wait a few days for this to blow over. Two days later, I found out that one of the people that I was in session with that last day before we gaveled out, um, a state representative herself, Came down positive with COVID-19, so I called my doctor back. I let him know. Uh, keep in mind that the doctors here are not seeing patients in person unless absolutely necessary. So, uh, in this past 16-day period, I never once saw a doctor or healthcare professional. This was all done over the phone. And I um, it gave him the information on that. He said, "You know what? Let's just be cautious. We'll order you test." The test was going to be done five days after that. So I continued to quarantine. Um, on that fifth day, I went and got the test, got the swab. That was my only interaction with a healthcare professional. And then that was on the 24th. And I literally waited and waited. I was told one to five days for results. I waited. At the fifth day, I was told it's going to take seven days. And on the seventh day, I was told it was going to take 10 days. And so the entire time, I am self-isolated quarantined off um no interactions with family friends or the outside world um and as much as i have a hectic schedule and i enjoy some downtime uh, that much downtime starts to get to you so it was pretty you know pretty stressful pretty uh my anxiety was definitely up um but i made it through and then finally yesterday uh yesterday morning around 10 a.m. i received the email that uh, my tests came back negative so um that was the the good news I got. Um I had been symptom free for about 4 or 5 days at that point and my doctor and I had discussed that given the fact that I was symptom free, I didn't have a fever, I was feeling fine and that my symptoms were 14 days prior that even if I did test positive, it would have run its course and been out of my system. So I was ready to release myself from the quarantine anyway, uh, but the results finally did come in. But I would say it was a very frustrating process. Um, my test was sent from the hospital where I took it to a lab in Virginia, which I have come to found out is um, far behind in their testing. So very frustrating, very frustrating. I, I understand given the circumstances. Uh, that we faced ourselves in unprecedented times, but it was still very frustrating. And as we all do, we personalize the the, the uh, crisis. We personalize this to how does it affect me? And the way this affected me was I couldn't see my son who has an autoimmune disease. I couldn't see my wife because she became the sole caretaker for my son. So if I got my wife sick she couldn't go see her son, our son, and that would have made things even more complicated. So I just, you know, was very cautious, played it very conservatively and made sure that I kept myself away from people and as safe as possible for the last 16 days. And I'm glad that
0: it's over. And we're glad that you're, we're glad that you're okay. And, and it is a frustrating process and it's just, it's interesting to hear, you know, what your experience was like. And, you know, we hear people complain about testing and concerned about testing and delays in testing. Um, but it just isn't to hear from a person who was stressed out for, you know, however many days it was waiting to get a test result back. And and the strain it puts on your family because you're self-isolated and you don't know if you need to be or for how long you need to be and, and kind of all the things that you need to do. So um, it just helps to to put a, you know, more human face on an issue that we talk about kind of in the in the abstract a lot. What um, There are two questions that I've been asking everyone that I've done, that I've interviewed. The first is... Are there problems that you see um, that people aren't talking about or that you fear are coming down the road as a result of this from your perspective as a as a lawmaker, as a legislator?
1: I think, you know, besides all the healthcare issues that we face, I think the biggest issue we have is our first responders who are out there every day responding to places that they don't know whether they're contaminated or not. Now, as a 911 dispatch supervisor, we're doing the best we can to screen our calls here in the town that I work. So even if you report a fire alarm, we're going to ask you questions about, has your doctor asked you to self-quarantine? Do you have any possible symptoms? Because we don't need the fire department walking into a house where someone's been quarantining for 10 days. That just spreads the virus. I don't know if people on a statewide level or a nationwide level have even thought about those kinds of things. And the other biggest thing I would say is the economy. I mean, I know that the, the president has talked a lot about it, um, but I do see at a smaller, more micro level, there are businesses that even if they had a 60 day savings where they could, you know, manage and um, take care of their expenses for 60 days, they're going to be really hurting. And it might not be a simple matter of, okay, let's turn on the switches and let's go back to work. It might be an issue of, we're yet to close down because we just, we're out of money. And I think that we're going to see a lot of small businesses not recover from this. And it's going to be a very different place on the other side of this curve. And again, we haven't even, in Connecticut at least, we haven't reached the apex. They're estimating the apex to be in the middle of April. So we've got another two weeks at least before we reach what we hope is the peak. And then it's going to be, the downward curve, which things aren't going to change that much because if we change our social distancing behaviors, if we start congregating, if we start um, having mass gatherings, we're going to see that curve shoot right back up and we cannot afford that to happen. So I think, you know, life as we know it is going to be significantly altered for the next month or two. And people just need to realize that and kind of come to terms with it.
0: The flip side of the coin is in times of crisis, people get creative. Um, Have you seen or heard of um, clever ideas that you feel like sharing, or that you know you th- think are, are worth mentioning. That may be a way that we can do something that we were doing in one way. We can do better now, and we know how to do it in a better way now because of um, because of what we're going through.
1: The one example that comes to mind is early on in the crisis. Um, I have a constituent lives in Monroe. And he owns a business in Stratford. And uh, what they do is, is they make a lot of frozen appetizers. And I know it sounds silly, right? Why am I talking about this? So um, when you go to a catering hall or you go to a large restaurant or a cruise ship, they have all these frozen appetizers that they heat up, whether they're pigs in a blanket or stuffed mushrooms. So he approached me and said, listen, I have a factory. We make food. We are ready to hit the ground running. We have staff. Our market isn't what it used to be, but we're available and we're ready and we're willing to do the work. I put him in contact with the governor's office, and from what, I, what I've heard is that he is now producing food for the state of Connecticut so that uh, you know those that are less fortunate, those that are unemployed, those that have a problem with access to food are able to have a food source um, funneled through the state of Connecticut done by a private manufacturer who had the equipment up and running and was ready to go. And those are the kinds of things that really make you feel good about the way society responds to these types of things. You know, um, I know that you and I, um, I'm going to be 40 tomorrow. Uh, You're in your early forties now. And
0: um, I'm two weeks older than you.
1: You, I'm sure you remember after September 11th, we saw the nation just treat each other differently. We had a different attitude about life and the way that we functioned as a country. And that's some of the things I see now. And the difficulty now is that we can't go and gather on the steps of the Capitol and say God bless America. We can't go and have a vigil. But what we can do is individually share our thoughts, share our ideas, support each other. And really reach out to those that we think might need it. Reach out to your neighbor who's a senior citizen. If you're going to go to the grocery store, you may never even talk to this woman or man in your life. See if they need something. That bag of groceries might mean more to them than you have any idea. And those are the types of things that we can do for each other. Just look out for each other on a block-to-block, block, street-to-street basis. That's the best thing we can do for each other. Just pay attention and do, I know it sounds silly, but do what everyone's telling you to do. Self-isolate if you need to keep your distance, no touching, wash your hands, be clean and only leave the house if you have to. And I think that's going to go a long way of flattening the curve.
0: Great. Well, Hey, JP, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, I want to wish you a, a one day early happy birthday in case I forget to do that tomorrow. And, um, I want to thank our listeners. So this has been uh, really informative. Again, thank you so much, JP. Um, This has been another special issue, a COVID-19 issue of Pipettes and Politics. I'm Benjamin Korb on Twitter at BWKorb. Have a listen there or uh, join me there for our next and future installments of Pipettes and Politics.